So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through to 19 this morning. I want to read just a good part of the text this morning to get the word um, into us. This morning it's good just to do that. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through to 19. I'm reading this morning from the ESV translation. If some words are somewhat different than yours this morning, that's the reason why. The title in my Bible of this part of the scripture is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Some may be called be strong in the grace of Christ. And there's various titles in your Bible that helps you see the context of what is trying to be said to us this morning. And our title this morning is Divine Instruction to the Faithful Church. And you can apply that to your life personally, but biblically it's very important we don't preach to individuals, but to the church as a whole but it certainly is divine instruction for the man or woman who wants to go on with the Lord. But this is divine instruction to the faithful um, church this morning. And just for, to help you as before we begin to read this, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. And Timothy is a, a young man of God. He's a young pastor in many ways. That's in fact what this is. It's a pastoral letter. And Timothy is training this young man up and teaching him what it is to stand strong in the things of God. He's given him some instruction in both Christian conduct and Christian um, service. Instruction on how to be strong and remain faithful um, in the faith. So let us read together then. Verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust on to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Sharing in suffering as a good soldier of the, of the cross of Jesus Christ, because no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is a hard-working farmer who ought to have the first, first share of his crops. Now think over what I say to you, and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now verse 8 is a, a very important verse in this whole context of this book. Remember Christ Jesus risen from the dead. In order to be strong in your walk, if you forget the resurrection and the coming again of the Lord, you will find very difficult. And Paul, right in verse 8 here, is really pushing this home. Remember Jesus Christ and him risen from the dead, the offspring of David, which is Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled, as preached in the gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound, church, amen? Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. They also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Yet if we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Now verse 14 a worker approved by God. Remind them of these things. This is to all people of God. Remind them. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which is, does no good, but only ruins those who hear them. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, one who rightly handles the word of truth, divides it. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. For among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swayed from the truth 
saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, burying the seal. For the Lord knows those who are his, and therefore let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So, Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And, Father, I pray that you would uh, both quicken us this morning, God, and bless us with it. Lord, may we leave here, Father, refreshed, and, Lord, in, even in, with instruction, God, how it is to, to press on in this world and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, pray over every person in every home represented that, Father, we would know the freedom that's found in Christ this very day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. So let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. This is what I would call the, the discipleship of the Holy Spirit. Let everyone who calls himself a believer depart from a certain way of living. It's the Holy Spirit at work in the life of the church. We spoke about being born again recently and being released from that prison of religion. Well, this is the very prison that, that the Bible is speaking about. Let them who know the Lord depart from the prison of iniquity, if you like. The discipleship of the Lord is important, and it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. He leads the church out from Egypt, which is known as the land of sin, and into Canaan, which is the land of victory, the place where you and I stand today. But Canaan, as I've said, often said before, is also a land where there's many bottle, battles that need to be fought. We're not in glory yet. Canaan was a place of war, a place of gaining ground and losing ground, a place of disobedience and a place of getting back into obedience in the will of the Lord. It was a place of growth. It was a place where, it's a place where you and I find ourselves today waiting on the Lord's coming. Now, our Christian life has, shared, has its share of battles. Of course it does. And, but still, the call to the people of God, those who know the Lord, is to depart from iniquity and what? Walk in the freedom that's found in Christ. I want you to notice with me, if you look at verse 1 in our text, Paul there refers to Timothy as my son, or perhaps yours would say my child this morning. Maybe there's some other uh, way of translating that, but mine this morning says my son. Now, I just want to say this, that Timothy was not Paul's natural son at all, but rather Paul he saw himself as a type of spiritual father to Timothy. He had a responsibility over him. It's believed and agreed by nearly all scholars that Paul led Timothy to the Lord. And therefore, it became like a spiritual father towards him. Uh, there's other examples of this. In uh, Philemon chapter 1, we read of a man called uh, Onesimus. And, and we see that Paul also refers to him as his son. And he also goes on to say that he led him to the Lord at a certain time. So we see this coming through. And here's the thing, when, when we lead people to faith in Christ, they become like family to us, hence the family of God. And the local churches all around the world is the families of God. And when we lead somebody to, to, to the Lord, we, they get a piece of our heart. We desire to see them like our own children grow in the Lord. And that's what, what we see in our text. Paul is encouraging Timothy on in the faith. And there are many themes that appear here. There's one prominent theme that I see within the words of Paul, and it's this call every man and woman who are born again to remain faithful in Christian service. Remain faithful. Why, why is there this purse to remain faithful? Because it gets, gets hard, doesn't it? 
it gets harder to remain faithful to service. It gets harder to carry on. The longer we travel the road, the more difficulty at times we can hear the voice of God. We, there's things get in the road. But I want to remind you of something this morning before we break this down. There's four simple points that I'm going to run through very quick for you, for you this morning. But I want you to understand something at this point before we get into our text. As Paul penned these words to help Timothy, his spiritual son in Christian service, we are reminded that, that Paul, like all those men who penned what's now the contents of our Bible, was inspired by God the Father to encourage, to instruct the many spiritual sons and daughters of the faith. And here's the thing that's, that's very true and perhaps very shocking. Paul meant this letter that we have just read to be read by Timothy's eyes only. I'm guessing you understand that these are letters that were actually written and found and, and put together, which now is the canon of Scripture. Paul meant this for Timothy, but God had bigger plans. It was meant for every believer in every generation to help them endure the hardships of life and to keep looking to Christ and the promise of his return. These words that Paul wrote for the young Timothy God inspired for you and I this morning. Isn't that a wonderful truth? They were inspired for your ears, for my ears, your children's children's ears, if the Lord tarries. These eternal words were written for one man, yet here we are this morning, about to receive from them. So our title this morning is Divine Instruction to the Faithful Church. And if you're doing notes, put a header, a call to faithfulness, and we're going to fill that in with some subheadings. So a call to faithfulness. To be, a faithful, to be faithful in service, would you agree with me that it sounds somewhat easy? Sure, it's easy to be faithful. It's easy to do certain things. But when one seeks to live for God, remaining faithful can prove more difficult sometimes than we realize. Now, Timothy would soon find this out for himself, as did the Apostle Paul, and dare to say, every man and woman who ever served the Lord within scriptures, if you look you will find difficulties come the road. So the first subheading that I want you to write down just for, your own, uh, for yourself this morning is be strong. Be strong. This is the guidance that Paul gives to Timothy, the inspired word gives to the church today. Therefore, look at verse uh, 1. Therefore, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What is the grace that's in Christ Jesus? One simple example can be that in Christ, all those who trust him are set free from all sin. There's freedom. There's no condemnation. Romans 6 and 14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under the law now, but you're under the grace of Christ. We must understand these wee truths and walk in it, that we are free from the, the cell of sin. Therefore, we are strong in Christ and by his grace. Butler's commentary says this, we Christians do not serve well. Now, listen to what I'm saying. We Christians do not serve well. Listen to what he says about this, and I'm bringing out of this, sorry. Weak here is not referring to our physical strength. Thank the Lord, because the older I get, the weaker I get. Is that normal? Does anybody want to answer that? It seems to be the older we get, the weaker we get, and that's true. Of course it's true. This is not to do with our physical ability. Paul here is referring to our spiritual life. To be faithful 
one must encourage themselves in the Lord and in his word. Now, Paul tells us to be strong in the grace that is in Christ. So, a Christian who seeks to live for God, who understands not the grace that is theirs, will be weakened. If we don't understand what is ours, we will be weakened. What by our own weaknesses? There's nothing worse than a, w- a wounded soldier lying in the middle of the field of a war. He's doomed, destined to perish. Likewise, a Christian that doesn't understand the finished work of the cross in their personal life will never be strong in the Lord. They constantly look at their weaknesses, their shortfallings, where they have went wrong, where they failed this week. But in Christ we are strong, Paul says. It's in his grace that we are kept strong. It's in his grace that we are kept holy. And he guides us. And as the scripture alludes to, it's him who began this work in house. All who are saved, it was the work of God. We didn't come to faith of our own will. Many of us came kicking and screaming to salvation. We didn't desire to be saved, but it says the work that he has begun in us, he will complete in us. Do you see the theme? To be strong in service, one must walk in the grace of the Lord. Now, grace in the life of each believer, as the vine does, the free, unmerited favor of God upon them. That's what you have been given if you know the Lord this morning. He has given you free, unmerited means you haven't earned it, you can't earn it. It's simply a gift he's blessed you with. He's given you the complete and utter favor of God upon your life regardless of how weak we all find ourselves. The free, unmerited favor of God upon them. Now, Paul was strong in the Lord right up until he died where he referred to finishing the race. But in his letters, we learn that he did many things that he didn't want to do in the flesh. He had weaknesses. He had things that that hinder you and I. Paul also experienced the same things. The things he wanted to do for God, he he didn't always do them things. The scripture tells us that he understood what it was to wrestle with the sinful man and his own desire. But he had an understanding. Paul understood the grace of God in his life. And because of this understanding that in Christ he was declared holy, he was set apart and empowered for service, he was able to continue to faithfully serve the Lord regardless of the times where he felt somewhat weakened in his own flesh. It's not wonderful to know. So Paul had to learn to be strong, church. He had to learn to push on in weaknesses. He had to learn to accept what the Bible teaches about grace and not what he sees in his own life, his own heart. He learned to be strong in the Lord's grace and walk in it in all seasons. Christian, quite simply put this morning, walk in the grace that's found in Christ is what Paul is telling us. Be strong in the fact that in him your sin is no longer neither counted or recorded to be used against you. Walk in his grace and you'll become strong in the Lord. I want you to notice in 2 Corinthians verse 12, no need to turn to it for the sake of time, but if you read it for yourself, you see that the Apostle Paul is pleading with God to remove something from his life. There's something there that is a great hindrance to him. He called it himself a thorn in the flesh. But I want you to notice what God says to the Apostle Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. What's Paul telling you to be today? Strong in the grace of God. What's God telling Paul? My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. 
Paul had to learn this for himself. He had to learn that he in himself is an absolute weak vessel, another excuse for a man of God. But in God and in Christ, he was a mighty apostle, wasn't he? But we don't see ourselves as mighty men and women of God unless we know what it is to walk and be strong in that grace. He goes on to say that my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's what God says to him. So listen, it's only in our weakness that Christ can truly use us for his service. You see, when a man or a woman believes themselves to be strong in their own eyes, they have no need to trust God to help them. They have no desire to chase after him. They become cold in spirit. It just naturally happens. So to be faithful in service, Paul says, we must be strong regardless of our weaknesses and walk in the grace found in Christ. Now, the second one is difficult seasons will come. Very short point this morning. The question I asked myself is, what is going on with Paul in this text? What is it and why is he teaching Timothy the need to be strong to remain faithful in Christian service? Well, I want to tell you this. Paul wrestled with being strong. I, when Paul tells you to be strong, be rest, rest assured that he knew what it was to, to wrestle with weaknesses. I want to give up. He had to walk this path in order to encourage others. Timothy needed to be strong. Paul knew that to be true in his own life, to remain faithful in the service. And I believe in verse 1, if you notice the word therefore, I believe this word therefore will help us see what happened personally to the Apostle Paul that caused him to be stronger in the Lord, but also to encourage others to be strong in the work of the Lord. So for your own notes in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, which is just a few verses before what we read this morning. This is what Paul says. You are aware that all those who are in Asia have turned away from me. Do you see that? That's, that's been his experience at this point. Paul had many who once stood by him in the work of the ministry. And by his own words, what we see is they've deserted him. In fact, turned their back on him. And, and here's what I thought when I considered this. How deflating for the great apostle. How difficult for this man that gave his life up to go to win people for the Lord, only to have these people turn their back on him. Do you think at that moment that he desired to continue on to serve the Lord? Of course he didn't. Do you think at that moment he felt strong in himself to remain faithful in service? Absolutely not. Do you think his old life wasn't calling back to him? I suspect it was. How deflating have so many turned their back on him. And so what we can learn here about why Paul is pressing into the young Timothy, the need to be strong is that faithful service will have its difficulties. Please say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Serving and living for God will have its difficulties. Of course it will, but it's good to remind ourselves this morning that we're not on our own. Even the great apostle understood that difficult seasons came and went. One commentator said this, that it takes uh, spiritual strength to be steadfast in spiritual matters when you have become unpopular or unwanted. Isn't that true? It's great when we're loved, we're all's going well and we're popular in things, but what about when that all turns around? Is our faith still as strong? And, and I guess for many of us the question or the answer to that is perhaps not. Of course not. How can it be when we feel somewhat deserted, unpopular, unwanted, 
How can we ever say we would remain strong in that? But, but Paul is reminding young Timothy, look, this is normal for all who want to serve the Lord. There will be seasons where you will feel un- unpopular, unwanted. You will feel weak. And it's in these seasons that when we feel deserted or we feel unwanted, that the grace of Christ, thank God, will strengthen our soul and help us through and carry on in the work. Now that brings us to our third point. And this is something I picked up early on in my Christian walk, and it proves difficult at times, but nonetheless, it's what I see. Surround yourself with faithful people. You want to be faithful in the Lord? Surround yourself with faithful people. Look at verse 2 in your, in your Bible. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who therefore will be able to teach others also. Timothy was not only called to be a faithful minister, he was called to appoint other faithful servants to go on to teach within the church as they planted churches throughout the area. Faithful teachers are the bedrock of any church. All Christians are in constant need of being taught the word. It's a bit like getting a meal every week. You probably don't appreciate it till you haven't got it. And I've noticed lately, and I want to say this gently, because I'm not ear-picking in anybody's conversations at all, but I probably sound like I am, but I'm not. I've noticed lately a steady stream of instruction taking place among in our own services, and particularly after our own services. I've noticed people asking questions about faith. I've noticed people talking about various topics to do with the Lord, what it means to be born again, what it is to be in a prison of religion. I've heard these things recently. And all I want to say is this, keep it up, church. Keep talking about the Lord and talking about the scriptures and talking about your own struggles. And if you don't understand something, ask about it. Talk about it. Don't shy away from it. We all have to learn. There's Actually, the more I study, the less I realize I know. That's just the way it is. We have to talk about the things of God and teach one another And the Lord will always lead us into all truth when we seek it. But listen, to teach the word, the church must revere sound teaching. Church, we must reject a type of feel-good gospel that's floating about. And this gospel helps us feel safe in our sin and disobedience. It makes us feel good about ourselves and our present state. I didn't feel good about myself when I heard the gospel preached at all, actually. I did when I left the service. I didn't onto the service. But when I acknowledged that my life wasn't right, I understood what it was to feel good in the presence of God. I understood what it was to walk in the grace that's been given to me. I'm no longer a sinner, even though I sin like us all. But in Christ, I'm a new man. But if we embrace this type of teaching where everything's all right and it's who we are and just walk, trust God in it. There's no need for any change. Even though Paul says that all those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, what does he say? Depart from iniquity. He doesn't say embrace it. Claim it as your own, your birthright. He says, let all who know the Lord depart. Surround yourself with faithful people who will tell you the truth about yourself. There's nothing worse than having a friend that will constantly tell you some truths about yourself, but I'll tell you this, there's nothing more precious 
There's somebody that will tell you a wee truth about yourself. Would you agree with that? When there's something not right, imagine going to a doctor for him to see a tumor and hand you a bit of an abrufen. Imagine. God forbid that we would do that to a Christian, a fellow brother, maybe somebody who's not saved, that we would see their need and not tell them, not be faithful to what the Scriptures teach, tell them they're all right. I considered this question about faithful men and the faithful church to the faithful, having faith in the Word. And I asked the question, does the Word be taught in our church? I considered 3.16, the Word's taught. I considered limitless, our youth, the words taught. Our Sunday school, the words taught. Bible class, the words taught. The men's meetings, the ladies' meetings, the scriptures opened up. From the pulpit, the words taught. Church, thank the Lord. The word is highly esteemed in the church that you're part of. Honestly, thank him for it. And Paul warns young Timothy to appoint faithful people. People who will take the word seriously and teach it. Now, the next part I want to quote a commentator because it's quite probing. Quite, but anyway, it's him. It's Butler. You can take it up with uh, Butler's commentary says this. He does a wee section on the importance of teaching. And he highlights the word faithful men. And he writes this for us to consider. He says, appointing the unfaithful is often the case in many churches. I remember when I first come to faith, we had a big children's work in Armagh, and you didn't have to come to our church for any more than two weeks, and we'd been asking you to come and help. We didn't know anything about you, who you were, what you were, were you faithful, trustworthy, were you a spiritual gypsy? We didn't know anything about you, but you were enlisted up and brought into our work and entrusted with over 120 children. How shocking. Now, we later realized our error. We tightened it up and we changed it. And thank God we had a list of people willing to come in. And that work still going on and protected to this day. But at the start, we didn't realize. All we needed was help and help at any cost. But I would encourage us as a church not to do that. If we haven't got the manpower to do what we need to do, we maybe set aside what we do for a moment and wait to the right men and the right women rise up. He's going to say a point Appointing the unfaithful is often the case. He goes on to say those who don't turn up or who dirt turn up but not ready to teach. It's quite probing, isn't it? He adds that faithful teachers are those who are present Sunday after Sunday. And of course, we agree with what he's saying, but we also recognize the need to rest and to share the load with other servants. And that's what we do here. Nobody carries the work all in their own back. But, but what he is saying is that Faithful servants are those who turn up and turn up a prayer to serve. Core challenge, isn't it? Then he does another wee section on the gifting. He says, able to teach others. And this is very important. See, the word able means skilled. Somebody who's capable of teaching the word. And he says this, character is important, but so too is gifting. <laughs> are we all guilty of that at times, to be fair? Oh, that woman would be powerful. That man would be great. So our structure so our instruction so far is this. 
be strong. Walk in the grace. Difficult seasons will come. Surround yourself with faithful people. I'm going to look at just one more to finish. Be steadfast. Look at verse 3. Willing to suffer for the Lord. Oh boy. Willing to suffer for the Lord. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, I had an interesting conversation with a couple of men this morning. I'm not going to expose them. But they were talking about going, working really hard swimming in the swimming pool, you know. And the word sauna and security came up more than the swimming pool did. And what the confession was that we went to do a bit of swimming, but we found the security was somewhat more inviting. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I know what that means, actually. But what Paul is saying when it comes to the, the work of the Lord, we're going to have to do some lengths. We're going to have to actually set our mind and swim. Willing to suffer for the Lord as a good soldier of the cross. To be faithful in Christian service, one must be steadfast. As one man put it, the greatest ability of a person is their dependability. A soldier must be dependable, for in the battle their friends rely on them to watch their back and to keep them safe from the enemy. Look at verse 4. This is a sermon on its own, but no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. See, the Christian who, who seeks to please God, who called them, they have a steadfast spirit, that's my experience, that, that helps us and keeps us and helps us to press on in the Lord. There are many things in this world that would seek to hinder and draw us away and pull the church back and stop her from remaining faithful in her calling. And Paul's war Paul warns Timothy, and he says in verse 4, do not get mixed up with the curves of this life. And there's many. But what is it about this world, I ask myself, as a threat? What's wrong with this world and I enjoy engaging in it, but why is there a warning? What's the threat? And here's what I felt that I write this morning. In every generation, the church has had a love affair with the world. Hasn't she? She's had a love affair with the world. So what I see is that if you fall in love with this present world, it will divide your heart, it will weaken your spirit. And therefore I concluded that there's a balance needed in the believer's life, in the life of the church. There's many areas, there's the spiritual side of our life, there's the family life, there's our business and working life, there's our leisure life, very important. The accusing is very important. Very important. But so is the lens, so is doing the work. When we become mixed up in the world, there will be no balance. I've experienced this in my own life. And what normally happens is our family and our Lord is all put to the back burner and our life is filled with curse, not joy. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, no soldier, no man or woman of God gets entangled, entangled in civilian pursuits. For they are steadfast in service. They separate themselves from that which robs him of life in his home and life in his devotion towards God. You know, we can loose ourselves from this world. And when we do, balance will be restored and faithful service will begin to flow again. Listen, I want to say this. It's important that we highlight this. The great apostle, the great missionary, was a tent maker. He worked hard in the world. 
but he also worked hard in the Christian service. And he too, without doubt, would have had to have found balance in it all. No doubt that he too become entangled. Why else would he say, do not become tangled, because he must himself become tangled, entangled with the world. And curves of this world get into his heart. But he saw to it that he was untangled and about the Father's business. Be steadfast in your calling, church, and make sure you're not entangled this morning with this present world. You know if you are, you'll be filled with curves, worries. The joy of the Lord will be a memory, a distant memory. This world will have replaced it. So look, we're finished. I pray we receive God's instruction this morning to faithful service, to be strong and to walk in his grace, and help others also, to expect difficulties in, our, in, in life and difficult seasons, to surround ourselves with those who will be faithful in helping us and pointing us to God, and to be steadfast, find balance in our life's church, Enjoy life as the Lord has blessed us with it. We know not what tomorrow brings. We might not be here. Enjoy your life. Take your son a time, but put the Lord first and make sure there's a balance. That we can say that we have lived our life well. We've finished the race well. Not look back in regret. Amen? Not look back in regret. Praise the Lord. I trust you got something from that this morning and would bless your soul. I'm going to ask the team to come.